Hello and welcome back to Remake Hot Take, the podcast where we play studio executives pitching remake ideas of our favorite and new media. I'm Maria Schwarz. And I'm Brooke Reese. Today we are doing The Haunting of Hill House and we are joined by our lovely guest, Ted. Hi all, happy to be here. <laughs> Yay! So Ted Hogman is a freelance filmmaker, sound designer, and writer based in Washington, D.C. He runs the mixed media storytelling project Laughing with the Storm, which we love um, our little production team, Morton Third Floor, has done a lot of collabs with Laughing with the Storm, and we love them. I feel like you you all are very like alien oriented, which which I love. <laughs> we uh, we welcome many perspectives at Laughing with the Storm intergalactically. <laughs> how did you? I know this is off topic, but now I'm wondering how did you come up with Laughing with the Storm? Oh, it's uh, it's a line from a Cahill Gibran poem about no. defeat. There's actually a post on the website that has the poem with that line highlighted. But basically, mm -hmm. like when I first got into filmmaking, a lot of filmmaking is honestly like learning how to lose well and learning how to <laughs> suffer setbacks and keep on going. And so that's why that poem's always resonated with me working on creative projects. Yeah, I love that, like bringing in like literary into the film world, which is kind of what we had here with Haunting of Hill House, except I think Mike Flanagan completely destroyed <laughs> the original <laughs> book. But that's okay, because it's still nice. <laughs> but he gave one character the author's name, and that counts for something. I never connected that until you said that. Have you both read that original book? No, nope. I should, though. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't want to like watch Haunting of Hill House for a while, because I was like, I love the book and they're gonna destroy it and they did but that's okay um because it was still good and it was still like at its core the vibes that's what all adaptations should do it should be like either completely accurate or completely destroy it there should be no <laughs> there should be no gray area yeah people get really upset when it's just in the middle there mm -hmm. <laughs> when there's a few more things they could have gotten right so what i'm hearing you say is it's kind of like a heart of darkness to apocalypse now situation for the uh, show to the book yeah yeah. Oh yeah. Go big or, or don't go at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, for people that are watching our, our video formats here, you may have seen Haunting of Hill House and wondered why Barbie and Robin from Stranger Things <laughs> um, enter the plot since we usually dress up like one of our characters. But we are filming this um, right before Halloween and we decided to show off our Halloween costumes for this year. So don't be alarmed. Barbie does not enter Hill House at any point, though I think she'd have a great time. <laughs> In the Barbie movie, she's dealing with a lot of like existentialism. I feel like Hill House would just uh, would push her to her limits. But yeah. We've always been missing out on Ghost Hunter Barbie. I was making this exact point because I am a Barbie fanatic and it always came out October 2nd, which is my birthday. And so I would always get like a new Barbie movie for my birthday. And there's like Barbie Christmas. It started off with Barbie in the Nutcracker, which is a Christmas film. And I rewatch it every year. But then they did like other recreations of like classic things like Barbie Swan Lake, Barbie Rapunzel. But then they branched off into their own plot lines. And there's all these like Barbie Christmas and Barbie like other holidays, but no Barbie Halloween. And it's just, it's a shame. Barbie needs to delve into horror more. <laughs> well, I, I, I can say that my headcanon from now on is going to be that Kate McKinnon in the Ghostbusters remake is just Ghostbuster Barbie. Yeah, she's Ooh. just weird Barbie <laughs> in Ghostbusters. But yeah, well, let's get into it. What's everyone's experience? We've already said that two thirds of us have not read the book of this, but 
when did you all first watch Hill House and why were you excited about talking about it today? Yeah, I first saw it um, when it first came out in 2017 with my good friends, uh, Jillian and Tanya. It was like mid-October and it, we like shotgun the episodes, I think four episodes in one night and then the remaining like six the next night. Because once we hit the midpoint with episode five, we were hooked. We we're just like on board because yeah. the twist in the middle to me is like what made me a ride or die for the show. Mm-hmm. with um, the Bent Neck Lady. I was surprised re-watching it. So I first saw it only last year. It was the first time I watched it. And my roommate, I've talked about her before. Um, my roommate, Megan, is a big like horror fanatic. And I am a good friend. So <laughs> horror, although it's not, it's not my first pick, my first pick is usually going to be like comedy or action or romance. Those are like my top three horrors like towards the bottom but she absolutely loved this series and she had watched it when it first came out too and then last year when we were like looking at things to watch around Halloween time so almost a full year ago was when I saw it for the first time um she was like oh I think you should definitely watch this and like what made me want to watch it she was like this is the best writing I have ever seen (laughs) in like in a series before and she was like it's masterful the way that they weave in like all of these storylines um, and that there are all these like ghosts, but you don't know that they're ghosts. And I was like, okay, I'll take a little look, see. Um, so we watched it last year. And it's funny, you're talking about the the reveal of the bent neck lady. Um, when I just rewatched it this week, I was like shocked that that reveal didn't come. Like it came right in the middle. It came in at episode five. For some reason, I thought it was like right at the end. Um, but I was like, oh my gosh, no, this is like halfway through. They reveal this like huge like storyline And it gets you thinking about how time like completely works differently in this universe or in this house, maybe specifically, and all these like things It just brings up like so many different questions. And I was like, I didn't even remember it being like so smack dab in the middle of the series. I thought it was like a big reveal at the end. But yeah, I really loved it when I watched it. I thought to myself like, oh, this is like amazing writing too. (laughs) Maria, is the book like, is it like also structured really interesting like the way that they piece together the flashbacks and like the flash forward and I don't remember that I don't think it is it's like one of those things where like everyone is invited to the house and no one knows why and then strange things start happening and they're like hmm Nell is weird oh um, like no one like is a, related yeah more like a glass onion thing like it sounds yeah. like Agatha Christie <laughs> yeah it's like a little it's a little strange where it's like this guy buys the house and then he invites Theo who is like a psychic and then Nell who is like haunted by a poltergeist of her past and is like oh I wonder what this house is gonna do to them (laughs) it's technically for science but yeah and then like it does end the same way with like Nell is like oh I need well Nell is actually a little bit more like Olivia because she's like I'm gonna leave the house and then she commits suicide in the end or like buy the house I guess so Mm -hmm. yeah super interesting I feel like the only thing that's really the same is like the house and some of the names (laughs) (laughs) okay so totally not the same well that's interesting that Theo is a psychic in the book and Nell sort of you still have the Nell suicide in the book but it's different I love the fact that I have to admit I don't like shows that start with or don't like shows that have suicide as a plot unless you're really going to delve into it. That's mm-hmm. one thing I really appreciated about this show is that it starts with a suicide and it's basically all about the consequences of it. Yeah. Luke is a liar and a thief in the book. And so he has, <laughs> okay, there's my- that, and there's that element too. So yeah. Um, but yeah. And then like Mr. And Mrs. Dudley are all there and they don't stay in the house after dark. Um, but basically like Eleanor becomes like obsessed with Theo 
um and everyone's like girl you gotta slow down um because she's like I've never had a friend before so she's like much more of like a stranger character I feel like here because um Brooke and I have been talking about and I want to get your opinion Ted who do you think is the most tragic character like the top tragic characters in this show because there are a lot oh that's tough although (laughs) I don't know if he's the most tragic but I think the most interesting of the tragedies of the people who die is the dad mm-hmm. because he makes the most conscious choice and he's the one who I think who at by the end of the show has the best understanding of everything that's gone on mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. he's he's emotionally processed it the best and ultimately that's what kills him but he does it to save his kids which is a beautiful tragic ending just I wish you wouldn't mansplain all of that all of the <laughs> ghost stuff away in the beginning the real killer is the mansplaining <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to Luke and Nell and we would not have been in this situation. I don't know. I think that was also like the wild thing. Like if this started happening and obviously I don't have kids, but if I did, if it, if like my kids were traumatized, I might just move. Like, I don't know. I might just be like, hmm, that's odd. Maybe we'll give up on this project and we'll move yeah. on. Well, I think that it does a great job of showing that like they they can't do that I mean they could they could like just cut all of their losses but I think that the like the something that I read was that you know the the house is like intentionally spreading black mold throughout Mm -hmm. it because the only character that we have that doesn't have their own hideaway version of the red room they don't have their own like little man cave is the dad (laughs) and I know I would be so offended well the house doesn't want you (laughs) yeah that well because so the reason that the the house uses the red room at least in my understanding of this um which that's another thing that I'll say is like there are so many layers to this that I could watch I need to because this is only my second watch and I was like oh shit, I was like figuring out so many more things on my first time. So I'm sure if I watched it like a third and fourth, like more things would come to light. But in my understanding of it, the second round through, um, the Red Room, you know, we use this analogy of kind of like the the little kids animated um, movie, like Monster House, where the house is like literally trying to like digest and consume them. They compare the Red Room to like the stomach of the house and that it makes it, it disguises itself for the kids and for lives so that they spend more time in there and then slowly it like kind of poisons their mind. But the Red Room doesn't need to convince the dad that it's like in a safe place. It doesn't need to lure him in there. The way that it needs to like strategically keep him busy is by like spreading the black mold and and the red room is the source of the black mold because he talks to the like to the plumber to the mold guy or whatever that he's checked like every single room except for one which is the red room because it won't open for him and that there's no like clear source of basically of the mold spreading there's no like liquid source that they can find with like leakage or like drainage problems and so the his like red room is just the red room as it is which is like spreading this mold and it does that so that it can keep him there occupied longer so that it can eventually like ensnare all of its victims um but yeah I mean I don't place too much blame on him because he's doing his best I feel like he I feel like he's doing his best and they very much are like panicking about how much money that they spent on this house and that's like what their job as like basically house flippers is, is they spend all their money on one, the next purchase so that they can fix it up and then, you know, get all that money back. So 
in many senses they can't leave (laughs) and the house is doing everything that it can to like sabotage that um so I don't blame daddy too much (laughs) so financial instability is the real monster yeah so like financial insecurity in the U.S. that does not support (laughs) um its citizens they could have explained to the house like we're gonna flip the house and then you'll get more people to haunt and it's like just explain the long game to the house a little bit like don't worry you're gonna get more people to haunt um I don't know maybe reasoning with it but I agree with that like that that Hugh is a very tragic character especially towards the end of like the realization of why he's kept this secret for so long and how like he sacrificed himself for kids who like I mean I think they love him but they don't understand why he did the things that they they did especially that moment where Steve also fuck Steve I think Steve is the worst (laughs) I think I have no sympathy for Steve um think he should have been the first to go but um when Steve is like the wrong parent died and still the dad sacrificed himself for that piece of shit which is just crazy to me (laughs) I kind of love Steve and I agree with you that like he's the worst character in this but he's the worst character because I think he's the most realistic character like he's responding Mm -hmm. the way a rational adult would respond and I think it is very satisfying that that makes him the worst character in this but I'm also really glad that that perspective is there that's true he's very very different I think I have a problem every single time I watch this when we get to that part where they're like saying their last goodbyes to Nell's ghost and he's like I'm sorry if I didn't listen and I'm like you did not listen <laughs> don't not. add in that if <laughs> learn how to apologize you yeah. still have more growth to learn but can we pause for a second um because I want to know what who we have on the panel um Ted do you believe in ghosts oh okay <laughs> um that's a good question I'm not dodging it yes um I'm more I think I believe more though that rather than the undead coming back to visit us it might be more like time bends in weird ways hmm. well you're perfect for this show <laughs> yes <laughs> one of the reasons many reasons I love this show yeah interesting yeah um, Brooke doesn't believe in ghosts at all yeah I don't believe in ghosts but like if I were to believe in ghosts I think they're friendly like who's coming back to earth just to be mean <laughs> well, I yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that, except I think that if there are ghosts, it probably is linked to trauma. And so ghosts, much like in the show, probably would come across as horrifying and scary, but fundamentally not evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, so Mari, do you believe in ghosts? Yes, yes, <laughs> fully. And I have a lot of, I'm like very ghost sensitive. So I like know when a ghost is in the room. Oh. Um, so I would not be good in the Hill House. Um, so totally, I I do believe that ghosts are probably like traumatic individuals and that they aren't here to haunt or like actually hurt us. Um, but I do really respect Nell as a character because of this, because I also, if I died, I would go and haunt the person who has told me this whole time that ghosts don't exist. <laughs> the first thing I would do is I would show up in Brooke's apartment <laughs> and be like, oh, uh, like, because in the mortal realm and the spectral realm, I will want to be right in both. That will always stay true. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, well, first of all, your pettiness knows no bounds. <laughs> Transcends life and death. <laughs> but... But see, like, but if you came to haunt me, 
that would I wouldn't be afraid of you I'd be like yeah Mario's a good person <laughs> I was like she's gonna be a good ghost too I just like asked you if you wanted to continue the podcast <laughs> I'd, I'd be like so do you think we could do like remake hot take like just in person now <laughs> like you won't show up on camera but like if you get close enough to the mic <laughs> I think that we could make it work but yeah no I don't know I just think that I'm more of like a Steve character and I mean, I work in the field of psychiatry, so I would be like medication management. <laughs> I'd be like, we need the antipsychotics. I would probably, <laughs> I don't like Steve, but I think I'd be making probably the same decisions that he did. I'd be like, tie the tubes. We're not continuing this. <laughs> um, I I know my family, but so is Steve your favorite character than Ted or do you have a different oh, no. favorite? No, you just like him. I just I like the fact that he's in the show because he's somebody who I think is easy to hate. But then, I've, so I've watched the show three times, mm -hmm. and I feel the last time I did feel like a lot more sympathy towards him because he is sort of like the adult in the room, but at the same time he's very wrong about the events of the story. Yeah, I think the only thing that I don't like is that he and what Nelly says too is that he's like capitalizing off of their stories mm -hmm. without believing in them. <laughs> I think that's the only like part that I don't like. And even though he's like the adult in the room. I feel like he, in many ways, like, failed as a big brother figure. I think that, like, Shirley is more, like, carrying this family in terms of, like, eldest daughter energy. Um, And Shirley, like, was on this rewatch. She was, like, my favorite character for, like, the first, like, three episodes. And, oh, the, like, the funeral episodes, Shirley really, like, loses it for, for a second there. And she says, like, some nasty stuff to her family. But um, I don't know. I think I see like way more of the responsibility of like being the like older sibling figure, like falling onto Shirley and her doing like a better job of that in terms of like supporting her siblings. And like Luke lived with her for a while and like she paid for his therapy and they just seem a little bit more close to her than they do to Steve. But when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, it's like such a good story, like such good storytelling. But like, it's just so sad and so <laughs> many parts of just like, oh my God, it never ends. Um, and yeah. we were talking about who the most tragic character was. I, I think, I think, do we agree on Nellie being the most tragic or? Yeah, I would say Nell, just because like that girl can't get a break. No. <laughs> I mean, just like nonstop. Um, I would also say like, I know that they're not like main family, but Abigail, I mean, what mm. bad luck. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you go outside of your house once and ooh. And I think Mr. and Mrs. Dudley, pretty tragic. And <sighs> and now and Hugh would probably be like my top ones. So so um, we just list every character. <laughs> We're like, Steve. I think their story's really sad. <laughs> Steve also using my MFA, objectively, he's a bad writer. Um, he uses so many adverbs. <laughs> you just know that like Stephen King, who's like writing in the same genre, has like subtweeted him um, being like, mm, Haunting of Hill House, little too many adverbs there. Someone didn't read my writing tips. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, you should take my master class. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that. So did you guys say that you think that Nellie commits suicide? Because I'm team she was murdered. Like yeah. she was she was definitely struggling with her mental health. And then she goes to this psychiatrist slash therapist, which is like kind of unique. Usually you you're one lose or the other. His license. <laughs> yeah. Usually you're one or the other. But 
to the therapist's credit, I would also be very skeptical <laughs> if like, I think I would, I don't think it's his fault that he was like, just go confront it. Like, it's just a pile of wood rotting in like a rotting in the woods. Like, it's just a building. Um, he didn't know, but he did doom her in many ways. <laughs> so she like takes nine times advice. out of ten, it's ninety nine <laughs> times out of a hundred. It's not actually haunted. So yeah, he was taking he was looking at the statistics. He was taking it <laughs> taking a calculated risk there. But yeah, I mean, she was clearly like mentally not doing well after like the tragic death of her husband. But I think Liv murdered her. I don't know. I don't think yeah. that she consciously stepped off the balcony. What do you guys think? I agree. I agree. I think the house murdered her. What I have a question with is did the house slash bent neck lady kill Arthur? That is my question. Mm. Okay. Mm. So I have an answer to this. Or well, I feel like mm. I have an answer to this. But to go to the suicide, one of the things I love about the show is that I feel like it plays ambiguity so well Yeah, that it could be that she stepped off the balcony and committed suicide. She probably didn't intend to because we see her hallucinating, dreaming mm-hmm. that she's dancing with Arthur. Um, but it does kind of fit like my in my I give my wife Sudeshna credit for pointing this out. Like her episode is such a good raw depiction of depression, probably like one of the best mm-hmm. ever done in fiction. Mm-hmm. And suicide is unfortunately like a way that a lot of people's depression ends. And so I think there's definitely, the, the show is explicitly addressing suicide as an idea and its impact on the people who experience, who ultimately do it and who mm-hmm. all, the people who love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's actually one of the best parts of the show is that it is this exploration of that. I think it, but it also plays as Liv murders Nell to keep her in the house forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. does the bent neck lady murder Arthur? No. Yeah. The reason the bent neck lady shows up at that moment is because this, she's revisiting the most important parts of her life. And that was one of the most traumatic, important parts of her life. And mm-hmm. that's why the bent neck lady appears right before he dies. Yeah. That's my, that's my headcanon. I, I agree so with that. Sad. Yeah, I think, yeah, and that's such a good point, Ted. I think that, like, some of these, I don't know, I think sometimes I'm a person that I want to, like, solve the riddle of what Hill House is <laughs> because it is, it's very intentionally written and it gives us a lot of, like, nuggets here and there of putting together these pieces but I think that I like tend to be someone that wants to like get to the truth of like <laughs> what factually <laughs> happened here um but I think it it is something that like is playing off of ambiguity so many times and like another one that comes to mind is like I was asking my roommate when we we when we rewatched it this week I was like wait so like Poppy is this like evil character and she she apparently is like one of the ghosts that in addition to the house in general, is, like, poisoning Liv's mind. And her... Well, first of all, I loved the performance. The monologues mm-hmm. that that actress gives is, like, really, really good. And um, she's this... For people who, like, haven't watched this, um, she's, like, this, like, flapper girl who was, like, part of the Hills. And she apparently, like, was in a mental institution and then met her husband there. We love a meet cute, though. I know. I was like, that's so sweet. I mean, probably not advisable, (laughs) but that's that's sweet. I love that we we can find love um, in the psych ward. But it's heavily implied in her monologues that she murdered her kids. But it's also kind of open for interpretation that she didn't murder her kids, that her kids, like, died tragic deaths from like disease and stuff in the 20s and that she was like relieved by their death so there's there's a lot of like stuff open to interpretation there but yeah I agree with you with Arthur 
Um, which also that's like bad as someone who also works in healthcare, you are not allowed to date your patients. <laughs> he, <laughs> that is like such a clear HR violation. <laughs> he would be fired. He would not have a job as a sleep like therapist or whatever sleep technician. But yeah, I think he, I firmly believe that he did die of the aneurysm. And then like Ted said, she, the bent neck ladies are like most tangible realization of how time is completely warped for both for the ghosts and for Hill House in general. So yeah, I think she's just revisiting all these like monumental or traumatic moments for her. And that's why she was there. So I've got a question for the two of you, because this is one of my biggest things that like I had a lot of trouble trying to figure out with the show. And I'm so curious to hear what you think. Is the house evil? I think yes. And I like the speech where the dad says, can houses be born evil? Or like, is it in their foundations? Um, One of like my remakes that I'll touch on because uh, I'm also someone that like, I'm like Googling stuff as I'm watching. I'm like, I love like the wiki fan pages. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes, thank you. And I'm like reading all this stuff. And one of the things that I would do for like a serious remake is like, there's all this like lore of the actual hills themselves. And we like hear some like stuff about a few of the characters, but there are like extensive like backgrounds about all of the like interminklings between the hills themselves. And it seemed like there were like dozens of them that died (laughs) in this house. And I think of it more as like I said, like before, like the monster house in the monster house, it's like the spirit of this like man's wife has inhabited the house like herself and her like body has become intertwined with like the foundation and the house like actually like eats the kids. I think that the house itself is evil. And I think, like, the best representation of that is, like, the way that it uses the Red Room to, like, lure its victims. <laughs> I think I think Poppy controls the house and that she's what makes it evil because she seems to lure kind of everyone. I don't know. That's kind of, that was, like, my reading of it is that she, like, infects the house and that, like, all of the other ghosts kind of hate her, um, which is fair. Um, but like, I don't know, it felt like she had the most effect on everyone. So I don't know if like, because we don't really see the house like pre Poppy, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And there was also like all that stuff. I didn't look too far into it. But like they were using like Ouija boards and stuff like that. So they're also Mm -hmm. like bringing on a whole bunch of shit (laughs) that. (laughs) So I think I don't think the house itself is evil. I think they've just like, there's no saving it at this point. Um, It's like infected Mm. with so many ghosts. You know, it's just it's we've gone too far. Mm-hmm. interesting what I was thinking with the house is I, I the first time I watched it, I was actually angry that they weren't sort of making more of a point that the house is evil that there isn't this evil presence in the house mm-hmm. but then watching it through a couple more times there's the speech by the Dudleys I think it's Mrs. Dudley who says it that um, this house is full of precious things and they don't all belong to you because like there's literally this other perspective that comes in right at the end of like because when Luke Luke wants to burn down the house the dad talks about burning down the house and they realize that they can't act they shouldn't actually do that because it's not just their tragedy and trauma that's associated with the house. There's also other people that sort of have their memories locked away in this house. Hmm. And to me, one of the most beautiful things about the show is how, to me, the house feels more like an animal. Like it isn't really good or evil. It just exists. And it is terrifying. Like you don't want to mess with this animal, but it's like running into a tiger in the woods. It's (laughs) like, it's good that it's there, 
I don't want to run into it myself. I would fight it if it was if I was face to face with it, but I wouldn't. I don't think it can be blamed for what it does. It's more mm. that it's it, but it is weird that it also like eats on feeds on people. I'm curious, like what would happen yeah. if somebody lived in the house? Could could somebody have a happy life in the house like, if it wasn't for the past trauma? Would would it just sort of feed off the positive energy of that family, or would it? somehow corrupt them i don't think so i think i'm f- team firm believer that the house is bad because <laughs> and and i don't think it's just poppy because like it alludes to the fact that so like poppy's husband if i have my family tree correct poppy's husband was mr hill and mr hill she gives us another like great performance in her monologue when she talks about like the two twin sisters like fear and guilt and that mr hill had those two twin sisters like attacking him all the time and so he's the body that they find in the basement where he's like walled himself he's bricked himself in to the basement to try to escape those twin sisters but they like still eat at him and he and she like says that he like feels small and feels so small and so that when he wakes up which is like that's poppy's way of saying that someone has died and so i think she's i think she's like specifically the one that corrupts live like I think we definitely see that she's definitely preying on like on the mothers because she herself I think murdered her murdered her children and she wants live to do the same um but I think all the other characters I think it's the house that's contributing to it and something else that I read was like an interesting theory so Mr. Hill then is the ghost in the bowler hat because he says like he becomes tall so tall that like you know you can't even like see the top of his head and so that's Mr. Hill. But um, one of the things that someone said was that, like, there's a theory that Mr. Dudley is Mr. Hill's son, which I didn't mm. like. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. But let me share the theory. Uh, this is on the wiki page. And then I was on Reddit. I did a lot of Reddit reading. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard this theory. This okay. Yeah. So I didn't pick up on this at all. But it's pretty compelling if you look back. Okay, so also shout out to like my two favorite performances which were poppy and then mr dudley's monologue too i love he that did, one he did so good i was like this is the sweetest man like i loved him as a character and then he had such a good like performance in that one speech so they're like down in the basement and if you like rewatch that part he talks about his mother he doesn't mention his father at all and he talks about his mother working in the hill house like she worked in like the kitchens or something And that she was removed from the Hill House into a cottage in the woods. And that that's where she had him. So she was in the house all through the night, too, to take care of different people. So the house was able to, like, poison her. But it also says, the the part that's, like, very key is that he says that he would hear his mother go out into the woods like giggling like a little girl talking to her lover and the lover that she's talking to is like the ghost of Mr. Hill and so that's the theory there and so like Mr. Dudley and his family was kind of like doomed by association of like by his family line to like have the same kind of thing and then the reason that Mr. Hill has this fear and this guilt is because he cheated on poppy with the with the wife and that's why he had this immense guilt that he had and that's why he walled himself into the basement um but yeah you gotta rewatch that scene because i saw that and i read the reddit thread and i was like oh okay i i I literally have goosebumps i don't know this will show up on camera i know so it was it was so good i was like oh my god And that's also why Poppy is, like, super, like, vengeful, too. Like, she knows that he, like, cheated on her 
while her two like little children were dying of like I think her son had like polio or something and then her daughter too so yeah that's like one theory that I think it's correct I was like that's spot on yes you've convinced me wow. <laughs> um but yeah I really like that theory yeah I always felt like and this is going back to your earlier point I I feel like Poppy's like in charge of the house because I don't think any of the other ghosts really hurt anyone like that like mother or whatever is like trying to help Olivia at first and there's like that little child that holds on to Theo's hand but I mean there's like the 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 tall man but he doesn't really do anything except follow around and maybe he just wants his hat and you know <laughs> that's I mean I don't like to lose my belongings either like that okay so first it's going to be Brooke Alhant and then the two girls, one who stole my Percy Jackson book, the first one, and <laughs> one who stole my copy of um of a Harry Potter, uh, the um the like fairy tale book. Um, I, I know exactly where they live. Um, I've thought about it. So I have their addresses memorized. Yeah. <laughs> I know first and last names. So I'm I don't like to lose my belongings either. So that is understandable. I think the only one that like really like attacks other than Poppy is like the basement ghost who is I believe Hazel's son who like I think I was reading I was mm-hmm. reading Reddit as well um Hazel like had that whole contraband mm-hmm. business thing and then she burned all of the contraband and didn't realize that her son was like in one of the barrels or something so I think he's just like scared or something and then there's like the wheelchair kid and who just wants to be like let out of his little room or whatever. I don't mm. think anyone else is like vicious than Poppy. But I think like the main difference there is that like this house is still like feeding on those people mm. and they all are still having these like tragic accidents. So it talks about the hills like one of them died trying to build the house I was worrying about this because I got really sad about Abby at the end (laughs) and then I was asking my roommate because well like Ted said so I think that's a good interpretation of it when you said it's like an animal I think of like Jordan Peele's like nope um where yeah it's it's like a big presence and and they go into lengths to talk about how animals cannot inherently have like evilness to them they are just acting true to their nature so this house maybe maybe the house itself is not evil but the things that the house does to consume the people the house wants you to stay with it like we could maybe say that the house is just really lonely (laughs) and it's like a toxic (laughs) friend like it just wants to get more and more people to stay with it and I think that the means that it does that by is evil to the people that are there because they can't escape it and they end up losing their lives but I think I was talking to my roommate because I was like Oh man, like it's so sad, but like it it is beautiful that the house you are like preserved in a time capsule there and that the Dudleys were able to see their daughter. And then Mr. Dudley like brings his dying wife there. He brings Clara there in her old age. And so she dies and it's so beautiful. You know, she's kind of reborn into this younger version of herself. And she gets to see the little stillborn baby that she never got to hear cry and she's like holding it. Um, And she got to see her daughter, Abby, even though she was dead. So that's like a beautiful component of it. But then I was like, oh my God, is Abby, like, it's so sad. Is she like running around with all these like creepy people? And like, is Poppy going to harass Abby? And my roommate's theory was that like, as we had mentioned, time works completely different for the ghosts. And in her mind, she thinks that all the ghosts kind of like 
can keep to themselves and can choose who to like interact with and that like ghosts themselves like Abby would not be like scared of Poppy because when you have like passed on like she can kind of choose to just be in her own world and I think we see that when she's like sitting at the bottom of the stairs and we see her for a second but then Poppy comes up behind like Shirley and gives her the vision and so Abby's like disappeared in a second so she just is gone. Abby's like I'm gonna just remove myself. Abby's from like I'm peacing out. Abby's like this is adult stuff. I don't need to be here. Um, they're talking about infidelity. I don't even know what that is. In that sense I think that it it is the house that's trying to consume them and then I'm firmly team like Poppy is not controlling the house. She is just controlling Liv because Poppy doesn't mm. appear to any of the other kids and she only appear we only see her when we get Liv's story and Poppy herself is like extra evil because she kind of already was crazy (laughs) before Mm -hmm. she came to Hill House they go to great lengths to say that she was this like volatile like unstable person that was already kind of evil and that's why she was in the psych ward And that then she comes to this house and, like, her personality was just, like, amplified. So I think that Poppy is just having, like, a great time in her ghost form. (laughs) And she's just, like, using this as an opportunity to just, like, prey on on Liv. I think Poppy is the one who causes Olivia to sort of snap and go after her own kids. And to me, I almost think of Poppy, like, I'm trying to think of a way that isn't too political to say this. But basically, like, a dangerous meme. Like you fall prey to a dangerous meme and then you want to get other people to fall prey to your dangerous meme, even though what you're doing is hurting you and it's hurting them. And Poppy Mm -hmm. basically is that like, oh, hey, if you kill your kids, it sets them free. They don't have to suffer like living in the real world. Because I think of Poppy not necessarily as evil, but just like extremely disturbed Mm -hmm. and basically wanting to justify her own decisions by convincing other people to do the same thing that she did. Yes. She, they go to great lengths to like show that she has like completely warped her mindset so that like she sees like completely bad actions like murdering your kids she's able to complete like 180 them (laughs) and convince Liv that like murdering like she's just completely flipped like her moral compass so that like bad equals good waking up equals dying and she wants Liv to do the same thing like you're right she wants Liv to to also do that and it's funny because like Poppy's red room she talks about it when she sees Liv and she sees that Liv has turned the red room into like her little reading area her little sitting room and she says like oh at one point this was like my nursery this was my something Mm. else which is a really interesting thing to think about but I just think that everyone's red room just says so much about them like as Mm -hmm. a character so like Theo's red room is her dance studio and we see how important like dancing is to her character like she has like a really horrible day at work where she like finds out that this um little kid is being like abused by her foster dad and she like goes to the club immediately afterwards which seems like a bit of like an odd thing to do um but like dancing is definitely like her way of decompressing and so that's like why that's her red room um Luke has like a tree house where he says like no girls allowed and that's like (laughs) even though like he and Nellie are like super close like that's like his little like boys retreat and we see him like foster like a close relationship with like Steve in his tree house Nellie it's her little toy room she's just a little girl she loves playing with her toys and her tea set um for Shirley it's a family room which I think that really speaks to Shirley's character because I I think she has you know she like I said in the funeral scene The day of the funeral is not her best moment, but I think that Shirley is the one character 
who is truly like mourning the loss of her mother like so so much more than the other characters and she seemed to just be the one person who like loved her family so much so like so much so that like the red room knew to lure her in by creating a little family room where it's pictures of their family all on the walls and she just sits there quietly and I think we see that like she really misses her mom and like misses that family aspect like when she creates her little like plastic model of the forever home like in her little like office at the funeral home she has the forever home there and it's like so special to her um, but yeah, Steve, it's his game room. For the mom, it's the reading room. And oh, Poppy says it was a dressing room first for her. And then mm-hmm. it was a nursery. Um, so That's I think those two are very interesting. Yeah. And that gives you more a sense that like maybe also Poppy was also taken, I guess, by the house. Yeah. Maybe as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think the reveal that like, I never made you a treehouse yeah. was like so mind bending for me. And then I was <laughs> like, okay, so all of the times when they were like, Luke is probably in their, in his treehouse and everyone was like, ah, dumb kids with their imaginations. And I'm like, really? A, I feel like a family dinner could have solved this whole situation. <laughs> um, but what would the red room be like for you all? I was going to ask you both a similar question of like, with the red room is it worth uh intrusive thoughts of death and murder to have a space that customizes itself precisely to you because i have to admit like i i think i might make that trade i mean real estate is really expensive so (laughs) i mean just a lot of time and energy is saved and i feel like i can fight off the intrusive thoughts no no did you guys know okay brooke here's the thing you're brooke you're a naturally good at like interior design i do i do love interior design I'm like, I'm not passing up an like, opportunity to decorate. <laughs> can this haunted house do proper cable management? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I do like hate like installing shelves and drilling into the wall. So it could be a library. All you have to do <laughs> is think about murder sometimes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Like the kids aren't as like corrupted by the house, but I guess I think with the kids, like they're younger. And what what are their concepts of death even look like <laughs> as like a six year old little Nelly? But huh, for me, I don't know how. Would, okay, what would the red room lure me into staying? I'm like a bed person. I love like doing <laughs> everything from my bed. So you know, there are like bed people and they're like couch people. They're like you like eat on the couch, you watch TV on the couch. I'm firmly a, a bed believer. I'm like in bed, laptop, like snacks around me. So I think it would just be one big padded room <laughs> that I could that I could just go lay in. So, um, you know, it's actually perfect because I go into the red room and I just like sleep in this like fully padded, just one big bed of a room. And then if I do go crazy then I'm in the psych ward and then it's also just a big padded room so it's like win win for me (laughs) I I am not losing either way here but yeah what would your guys's red room be (laughs) I think I think mine would be like a home cinema setup with like a nice Mm, surround sound and everything Mm. but then also with like a writer nook in the corner oh I like it 
Yeah, I like the idea of like some kind of library, home theatery kind of thing. If they could like throw in, I don't know, I've never owned like a Wii Switch. So I don't know if they can like <laughs> buy things for me. Um, I don't know if there's like an Amazon wish list that they can fulfill as well. Um, but I don't know, I would be open to exploring um, my intrusive thoughts in exchange for... Uh, items. I feel like, like if it can make you hallucinate your loved ones, it should also be able to do a Wii Switch. Right? No, or like, I mean, like, it, it, I think it would be worth it if, like, I walk in and, like, there's my favorite celebrity or something. Like, you know, Comic-Con is expensive, but my <laughs> thoughts are free. Like, it's just like a meet and greet line. <laughs> yeah, Brendan Fraser is right there in my right room. <laughs> but Steve, Steve's room was a video game room. It, it mm-hmm. didn't conjure up the video games the 80s video games so we'd have to like modernize it a little bit but I think you could do a Wii I think for sure (laughs) you're all set so for me I think the thing I love most about the show especially watching it through a couple more times is how so many of the things that seem scary the first time through like like, it's genuinely an upsetting show to watch like (laughs) One of the most terrified I've ever, like some of the most terrified moments I've ever had watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. But then watching it through the next time, so many of those moments are actually so tied to the character. Mm-hmm. And they're not just random jump scares. So I think my favorite is Shirley and Theo arguing in the car because Theo just kissed Shirley's husband at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Theo's trying to explain her abilities, which I don't know that she's ever talked to Shirley about. And Nell just like comes screaming between yeah. them. And it's so scary. It is yeah. terrifying. Like I literally jumped out of the couch the first time that happened. And I still like, I'd forgotten that it happened the second time I watched it and jumped out of the couch yeah. again. But then you realize like, oh, that's not just happening to be scary at that moment. That's happening because Nell is literally upset at the two of them fighting yeah. and that the two of them talking past each other. And so that, it, I feel like that's the thesis for the whole show of it's this horrifying, terrifying thing that actually is very tragically beautiful when you stop to try to understand it. And mm-hmm. the whole thesis of the show is you're going to be scared out of your wits, but then it's about moving from being sort of not understanding it at all, being terrified to understanding and feeling this very sad catharsis as you finally get to this greater understanding. And I feel like all the characters go on some form of that journey. Yeah, I'm I'm personally so glad that Mike Flanagan decided to make them a family because mm-hmm. I think it just adds for so many more like great relationship dynamics that we're exploring here of a family who's like absolutely broken. And we talk about Hugh, um, you know, he says at the end there that he he basically was like an absent father to his kids after this whole experience. And, and he never gives them an explanation as to why. And they were so tight knit before, but that he's holding it like open. Well, he's holding closed this door that if they were to open, they would know that their mom murdered a little girl and like tried to kill them and tried to kill their siblings. And that, you know, it would totally warp their idea of like the mother that they knew and that they loved Um, But yeah, personally, I'm like so happy that he decided to make it about those relationship dynamics because I mean, I'm an only child, but to my knowledge, that's like such a sister thing for, (laughs) for Nellie to come in there and be like the person that's breaking up this fight by, you know, becoming a disembodied head from beyond the grave, (laughs) Um, but you know, any means necessary to get little sister energy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Nellie's being very dramatic here. (laughs) It's always the youngest. Well, specifically, I feel like it's always the youngest sibling because I'm the youngest sibling and I've talked to other youngest siblings where it's like the youngest sibling's job is to be the comedic relief and like tone everything down. And so it's like even from the beyond, 
she has to be the one who is like patching things together and if you think about her character like she's the one who's always sending letters to Mm -hmm. the dad and like is kind of like that connective glue between them all and then she still is like in her death which is just like sad I would be like get your shit together (laughs) like and and (laughs) you took me for granted yeah and they even say that and it's something that's you know obviously this is not something that happens to most families (laughs) most families do not (laughs) hopefully (laughs) I mean like we can take a poll at the end but (laughs) this is not an experience but the themes that it's touching on are universal family experiences and what you said about Nellie being the glue I mean, they even say it in, well, first of all, let me talk about real quick. The funeral episode is so cool. They shot, they shoot it as, you know, not, not really like a one take, but it basically kind of is a one take and it has, you know, there are no cuts and it, it builds this like tension and tension, um, which is just like a technique that like filmmakers use when they're doing things that are um, like a single take the audience, even if you're not realizing it. like cuts in between stuff allows you to like breathe for a second (laughs) and when they have this just continuous shot of them going back and forth and back and forth and everyone's yelling at each other and everyone's upset and then all these things start happening it's very much like building this momentum and momentum and you like feel like something's gonna happen and you can't catch your breath but they talk about in there when they're you know reminiscing about Nellie and her like puffalopes um she they say like very explicitly that Nellie's death caused them to all be in the same room at the same time for the first time in 26 years because even at Nellie's wedding Luke wasn't there because of his addiction issues and I feel like that's something that families can't broken families or families with a lot of like family members can relate to that because it's weddings and funerals baby like I have yeah. a big family <laughs> I have a big family that's the only time I'm seeing my like cousins and stuff um so weddings and funerals are what gets families together once the kids grow up um which is sad but I think it's also really interesting that Nellie's not technically the youngest because she has a twin brother Luke and it's so interesting to see their different reactions um to something like this tragedy that they both experienced when they were really young and we have Luke who the mom says he's been like knocking at the red door he's been actively trying to die um which is like a sad interpretation of what addiction is but in some senses he has been gambling with his life doing all these hard drugs and in and out of rehab but um we see Nellie's reaction to that even though she experienced the same stuff and they both witnessed the murder of Abby um, she remains this like bright light of like always writing every single month to her father and always wanting to to be together with everyone and I, that's why I like her story I think that she is the most tragic character because we even see like her she's so forgiving and she's so sweet and she loves Luke unconditionally even though that's like her twin and he's like screwed her over just as much as he has everyone else um but I think if it just oh if it weren't for Arthur's aneurysm she would have been smooth sailing for Nellie I think she would have had a beautiful future and something like something as tragic as like an aneurysm which is just like in your body at all times and you never know it's like a ticking time bomb that like there's no way of knowing that that could have happened and the extra tragedy that she's like sitting there paralyzed by her own body <laughs> with the sleep paralysis that she can't run to him immediately. Oh, just so sad. But yeah, weddings and funerals are a universal truce here for like all families. 
Um, so I'm really, really glad that he switched it to a family instead of strangers. Mm-hmm. I'll also say very superficially love Victoria Pedretti. She is the <laughs> nose flare queen. Um, and I eat it up every time. Um, I will say if no one else has anything, but really quick, Kevin is the man. Shirley's husband, Kev. <laughs> Kevin is a freaking ride or die. What a trooper. I love him so much. I'm like, that's what I'm looking for in a husband. He's just like, he is such a trooper. He is putting together everything. He is helping just like so nice, so kind, dealing with like all of her outbursts. And I think he deserves better. <laughs> so balancing the balancing the books behind her back, good move or bad move for his part? Uh, I've been curious about this. Yeah. So obviously I think it's a situation wrong decision right reason that he did okay I think it's wrong thing right reason and I think that he knew Shirley so well that he knew that she was so generous and like like he said she gives away like every funeral (laughs) for for like almost free like she gives away freebies all the time because she's like so empathetic and she loves what she does and I think Kevin knew that going into it And I think that he knew that Shirley would never be okay with him if he asked. It was like a (laughs) ask for permission uh, or like don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness later kind of thing. And I understand why he did it. And I couldn't be mad at him. I think he did it for the right reason. (laughs) I Well, I could be mad at him, (laughs) but (laughs) I could easily forgive him, especially when Shirley is not like the... She that's what Theo says to her that she pretends to be like on this moral high ground when we know not until the very last episode, which again, I was I thought it, that like reveal had come in earlier on my first watch, but we see at the end that she like cheated on him like six years ago at a at an embalming conference <laughs> at a funeral home conference, which like who knew those could get so hot and heavy. <laughs> I think that's also like one of the interesting things about the show is like it's so hard to see like what is really a ghost because I don't think that that guy with the glass appearing all the time is a ghost but it's just her guilt Mm -hmm. but then it makes me wonder what is really a ghost and what is really like their grief or what is really a what is really guilt I think they say that right so like Mm -hmm. Liv appears to the dad he's not seeing a ghost he's seeing his own version of what he thinks Liv would say and he's Mm. seeing his own his own mind basically like he has this companion that's basically just another form of his consciousness but he kind of sees it as live and they I think Steve is the one that says they like he has like another like speech at the end and they say like a ghost is fear a ghost is guilt a ghost is a wish <laughs> um and so I think it is all of those things um that are this guilt that's like haunting her all right well do we want to jump into the remakes sure okay Do we want me to go first? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So um, my serious remake, which I touched on earlier, though, um, is that I would genuinely like to have like a spinoff of Haunting of Hill House, just focusing more like a prequel on the hills themselves, because there are so many of them. And when you look at the wiki pages and the Reddit threads like I do, they started listing off like 20 different people's names. And I was like, whoa, I was like, they did ne- definitely did not introduce 20 different hills. Um, so I think I that think would be really interesting. TV writers like wrote like stories or short stories or something, spinoffs. Oh, but it would be okay. interesting to see those played out because that's where like the... Um, 
Hazel Hill bootlegging operation. Mm -hmm. That was from a story that one of the TV writers ended up writing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was curious if I had forgotten that from the show or if that was from something else because I had no memory of that. It could just be fan fiction. (laughs) Hey, I'll read it. (laughs) They mention it very, they they definitely mention the bootlegging operation in the basement when they find the basement, but I don't think they explicitly say that anyone died in there. I think Mm -hmm. that that came from the Reddit thread. Um, But so yeah, that's like a serious remake that I would like. And then another serious one is that I would, I wanted them to go a little more in depth about like, um, Liv calls it like that all the women have like these sensitivities, basically that they have like some sort of like superpower, like Avengers Assemble abilities. <laughs> um, and like Liv's is with like her headaches, she can like see stuff. And then Theo obviously is the one that they go the most in depth with and that she has this ability when she like touches things or people that she can like feel their emotions. Sometimes she can see things too. Um, but they really quickly say that like Shirley and we see it like maybe once throughout the series that she has these like dreams. And personally, I relate a lot to Shirley. I really like her. I think I'm the most like her as a character and I talk a lot in my sleep. (laughs) So I just want, I want a little, explanation more in depth about Shirley's psychic abilities um just in case I also have them (laughs) because I talk so much in my sleep sometimes I record it and I want to know if I'm like prophesizing things I don't think so because most of the time I'm yelling at my mother in my sleep (laughs) like it's almost exclusively yelling at poor Deb I don't know why um but I'm always like mom shut up (laughs) it's like my dream is like her not knowing how to like use her computer tabs on her um on her laptop so I don't know I wish they went a little bit more into Shirley's and then I wonder if there was be like an option for a spinoff with Mean Girls where they're like Theo can have psychic abilities through touch and Shirley with her dreams and then there's Karen from Mean Girls who can know when it's raining by like it's raining (laughs) she's actually one of the cranes I love it long lost sister um and they say that nelly has some some sort of something because um Liv was like yeah i think your sister has it too like when we first came into the house like she said it was really loud so i was like oh what does that mean like is nelly hearing the ghosts like at different parts or i don't know but well, then- nelly, nelly has the connection with luke where she can sort of feel the same things that luke is feeling at times mm-hmm. but luke sort of has that as well i mean and then i i do kind of wonder if that's a little bit explored with where how she becomes the bent neck lady because she basically becomes the most bamf character of the whole show <laughs> like that she is sort of influenced to some extent like the events that led through her whole life in this weird out of order way mm-hmm. yeah oh, well okay jumping into my um silly goofy remakes <laughs> um so you know like the crux of this this story is that we have these, you know, this power couple, Liv and um, and Hugh, who are flippers, house flippers, and then they do, like, the architecture, Liv designs it, Hugh builds it, he's a fix-it kind of man. Um, well, I just think that we could lean into the HGTV aspect of it all, and I think that it should be a different power couple, um, mostly Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> are in hill house and they have built just an empire of um of flipping houses and of hgtv and of you know modern day 
decor at Target. And I'm not, you know, saying anything against Liv and Hugh, but I think Chip and Joanna could weather the storm of Hill House. <laughs> I think that they are so powerful together that they would just be completely unaffected by the house. And um, none of the ghost stuff would happen. They would just successfully um, renovate and flip it and then sell it. And it would be the same story. It would just be, um, you know, just a more updated, more like a modern farmhouse is uh, Joanna's style. So we get rid of all the old architecture. We put in a couple sliding barn doors and a sign that says like, eat, pray, love. Um, and nothing bad happens. <laughs> so that's one possible remake. Um, another one that I think, again, could have solved many things. We talked about them just being like more open, talking about their tree house and talking about the family room and the game room. We would have like put those puzzle pieces together a little bit sooner. Um, I think another thing that would have done that is that it should have been, um, the house should have been sponsored by Ring Home Security Cameras. <laughs> and if we just got some of this on tape, we just review those nightly. And again, we are just on the same page. Less murders happen <laughs> if we are reviewing the ring cameras each night. Um, what if it was the ring home security system and it's just a little <laughs> ghost girl that like catches people trying to break into your house? Yeah, I, I, I like that too. <laughs> she just is the ring the where they thing. like, is, is that one where she like comes out of the like TV screen? Or oh, yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> so they just set up like it's in Steve's like game room. She just comes on out <laughs> and she's like, no, you got to get out of here, dude. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, don't end up like me. Um, And then I I also like that, you know, we just talked about it, but we have these iconic, you know, sibling duo of of Luke and um and Nellie as the twins. I think we keep absolutely everything the same plot wise, but we swap them out for Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> 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 and I think it just it well, you know, it like lends to like the like early 90s vibes of the whole thing. And I, I think they're perfect. Um, and if Mary Kate and Ashley are not available, we would go with Colin Dylan Sprouse <laughs> if if we had to as backup. Um, with uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, like the mom comes in for a tea party and she's they're like, "You got it, dude." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Dylan and Cole Sprouse, they would be like, "Let me make sure to bring my Danimals <laughs> yogurt." <laughs> the Danimals sponsorship. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember them doing really. Uh- I'm just imagining somebody dipping Danimals into rat poison, and it is a real dark image. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> that was the real sweepstakes. The, the real sta- sweepstakes all along <laughs> was being haunted by <laughs> Cole Sprouse. Um, Eternal life, Asterix. <laughs> <laughs> you will win this sweepstake, and then you will never win anything again <laughs> for the rest of your life. Um, but yeah, those are my remakes. Anyone else? Um, I also had HGTV um the idea that what it it would start as like a regular house flipping show and then it would kind of be like a docu-series kind of thing and then it would just get wildly out of control um <laughs> and you would have like them being like we're gonna get out of this house and the producers <laughs> being like you have a contract <laughs> um and it would just be really dark um so do you think I, there's there's like one producer with a headset that is like this is gold <laughs> like, yeah all the all the ghosts keep running around people are losing their mind and they were like we are gonna make a million bucks off of this limited short series yeah and then they're like okay we have another haunted house lined up it'll just be a series of haunted 
flipping houses. I don't know. I think that would be, I think they should have already done that already, basically. <laughs> um, I was also thinking that we could have gone further because I love that that ending um, monologue gets me every single time where Nellie's like the uh, every every house has a stomach and all of that. This is the heart of heart of the house. No, not the heart, the stomach. I don't know. Love her. Love the nose layers. Um, <laughs> so I think we should just go further with that analogy. So we know like what room is like the armpit. Um, <laughs> we should just like just go further. Like Steve is in the armpit. Like I'm sorry, that's Steve's room. <laughs> I no. really don't like Steve. Um, and then finally, um, I don't know if you all are like musical theater people. Um, but I think it should have been Haunting of Harold Hill House um, from The Music Man. And so you just like open a closet and it's just like, we got trouble right here in River City. Um, and that's that's it. And he's the only ghost. Um, and that's, that's his only line because that's the only song I remember. <laughs> but those are mine. I, I would watch a musical haunted house show. Right. Or just every yeah. time you open a door, it's some new haunting song. Right. I feel like... <laughs> I mean, if it was like the cast of like the Adams family or something, that would be fun. <laughs> um, real quick that you're like, you want to know the armpit of the house and everything. It's just like, do you think that since the red room is the stomach, do you think that like all these problems are happening because like Hill House has like IBS or something? <laughs> like it just has like an upset tummy and it's just trying to see if it like eats a couple more things if that'll like calm it down a little bit like live is like the ginger ale of the human world <laughs> what if you just put a bunch of pepto-bismol in the red room yeah i think that would, we just like get the liquid and we just start like throwing in everywhere the yeah i don't know why, what luke was going with with the gasoline yeah what pepto. was that gonna do <laughs> i love it Ted, did you have any remakes? Yeah, so I've got a couple. One's a pretty simple one. Um, one of the things we didn't talk about, but is one of my favorite parts of the show, is how there's these hidden ghosts through the whole show. Mm -hmm. They're never like really highlighted, but if you know where to look, you'll just see like a figure standing in a hallway. And it's so creepy. I love the fact that um, it's a show that really rewards you. The closer you look, the more creeped out you're going to get. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if you're going to make a search for ghosts like that through the whole series, at least one of them should be Waldo. <laughs> I love it. Just like in the distance, a striped shirt passes around a corner. Like in the basement during like one of the flashes, just if he was there in the striped shirt for a frame. But he specifically should also have a Reddit page, like a whole Reddit thread. Waldo Hill. It's actually Waldo Hill. Yeah. Um, the other one that I have is with Nell and the Bentleck lady traveling through time the way that she mm -hmm. does. I think there's a really fruitful like idea of a spinoff with that where she just keeps traveling through time and she appears before um, children of different time eras to both traumatize them and then teach them an important life lesson. So like she pops into existence outside a castle in the medieval times and tells them not to play with that dead rat to catch the plague. She <laughs> pops into like a group of Chinese kids playing with fireworks in the Song Dynasty and is like, hey kids, don't play with fireworks. And like we're back to Roman times. Hey, don't don't play in the aqueduct. I like it. I'm I'm picturing Magic Treehouse meets Bent Neck Lady. <laughs> like that is a grim image. <laughs> Nellie is on the Titanic. <laughs> um, Nellie's the superhero we never expected. <laughs> yeah, I love her. <laughs> Interesting. Very nice. Great. Um, 
Did we want to do one roll for me remake with each other? I want to roll for remake. Okay, let's roll. I'm excited roll to see how remake. this works. <laughs> okay, let me roll. Okay, so I have my d20 here. Okay, so 17, which we've kind of already gotten into, but what sequel. would you make the sequel? Yeah. Wait, how'd you know that? I have them up on my phone. I oh, oh you, <laughs> it. you should have <laughs> said abilities. It was right there. <laughs> abilities. You got I'm, it, I'm dude. <laughs> so what would the sequel be? Um, well, I think that we ha- could have a sequel, but we can either like up the ante or like lower the stakes a little bit. So we could have like haunting of uh like tall cliff house or we could have haunting of small mound house (laughs) um and you know i'm if you didn't catch it i'm just really playing off the hill here (laughs) so you know the sequel haunting of steep mountain tall cliff house is just like everyone dies no one's getting out alive (laughs) extra scary ghosts and then small mound is just like like Ted said, it's just like little Where's Waldo ghosts, like turning around the corner. Um, and we never really I see st- him. I still like the <laughs> idea. Well, it's Waldo Hill, and he's like, I've gotten so tired of people finding me that I just locked myself behind a brick wall. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to end. I need to stop having people point at me. Oh my gosh. Um, I was thinking sequel that we like move the red room into like an apartment or something and it's like the current real estate crisis um <laughs> and <laughs> you if you want to find a place to live like in the city you're going to have to die a little I like it I or it's like <laughs> or oh wait what if like haunting of hill house becomes like an airbnb <laughs> mm, that would be good haunting like, of hill house airbnb actually... that's a good sequel idea like that it. was that was one of my questions that I wanted to ask. Would you spend a night in Hill House? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm in that kind of idiot. Um, <laughs> like have have I am I just like a townsperson that has heard that it's a little bit haunted, or have I watched specifically this series? I don't know. You don't have to role play. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm just like a townsperson, then yes. If I watch this series, <laughs> then absolutely not. I feel Ted. I feel like again, you're just you're not grasping the gravity <laughs> of the situation here. You guys were like, yeah, I'd go in the red room. What is it? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> this is very odd for you because you've made some questionable choices that you would go to like Jurassic Park. Oh, no, would... no, no. This is not the same thing as Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is like, this is fun. This is fabulous. I'm willing to die at the hands of a T-Rex. <laughs> like Hill House is like, do you want to talk about your own morality and <laughs> and end your life? Wow, those are two completely different things. What if your red room was Jurassic Park? Well, hold on now. <laughs> I I could be persuaded. <laughs> if okay, actually, I'm completely changing. You are so right, Maria. If my if I walked into Hill House and I just had hallucinations, constant hallucinations about becoming friends with animals that would surely kill me in the real world, I'd be there in an instant. Like if I could cuddle a lion, that's my one fantasy <laughs> that I could never achieve. So. Yeah, but realistically, no, I'm not going into Hill House. <laughs> I like the idea of that being a reality TV show, though. Like, spend a night in Hill House mm-hmm. just to see what happens. 
Yeah, like, like, kind of like a survivor kind of thing. Yeah, the waivers that you would have to sign <laughs> to get that <laughs> to get the okay from legal <laughs> would be hefty. In perpetuity throughout the universe and in all planes of existence. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we are not liable for any past, present, future, or all of the above <laughs> activities <laughs> that that may happen in Hell House. Um, okay, did we want to do one more or jump into what we've been watching? We can do one more. Yeah, roll the dice. Okay, it's end credits. Oh, okay. End what credits? end credits? I don't know. That's hard to do for a TV show. Yeah. Well, what was like the last thing that happens? I... Um, Steve's hmm. freaking book. <laughs> I would say go the like weird discordant comical route and have like a really upbeat reggae song as the credit song every time. <laughs> nice. It's just like big cartoon letters to really like reestablish the mood at the end of the show to just like, we know that was heavy. Come on out. <laughs> Here's pink lettering and some reggae. I think we should see, um, because now we have that family unit of Hugh, Nell, and Olivia, Mm -hmm. and it should just be like them throughout the holidays, like little little montages. I would watch that sequel. I love that. Oh, you know what was interesting? I something that I thought that they were gonna do. I thought that Nellie was going to appear at the very end when they all like hug each other. I thought she would be her little girl self. Because I thought I would show her as a little girl again, hugging like her two parents. They didn't do that because it seems like you can pick your ghosty form. Um, because Poppy died of like old age in the house, I'm pretty sure, but she comes back as her her young like self, and so does Hugh. He becomes his young version. Um, so I don't know. I thought Nellie would be like a little girl, and it would be that like Nell's kind like, of closure. I, I love my mid twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nell loved high school. <laughs> she she never got over that. She was the cheerleader or the big football star. <laughs> Either one. Um, but yeah, that would be hilarious if it was just a montage of all of them. Do you think Abigail's included in that little family unit? Do you think? I feel they... like that that gets awkward given yeah. Olivia's relationship to Abigail. Yeah. yeah live and let live <laughs> i know that when when abigail becomes a ghost she's like there's a hand that reaches out to her and i think it's like hazel or something um so maybe she's in that little family so well you know, I guess with, with grandpa end. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i guess by the end mrs dudley is with her with the with the little baby but <sighs> but was this stillborn baby there the whole time I I think so, but who was looking after? I think child? it was I think it was just like rolling around on the floor or something because <laughs> she went in and like picked it up. Um, this entire time, Abigail has been taking care of this newborn. <laughs> she's like, "Fuck, I died, and I got all this responsibility." Yeah. She's like, "This is the burden of being technically the younger sibling, but also the older sibling." <laughs> oh man. That's funny. She has to, it's like a babysitter's club <laughs> thing for her. Uh, all right. Well, what's everyone been watching lately? Dad, what have you been watching? You can go first since you had things to add. Okay. So I've got a couple. Uh, both of them are Apple TV because we, in our household, we become Apple TV stands this year. Um, first <laughs> one is Silo, uh, which is oh. incredible. It's based on the book series by Hugh Howey. It's set in a world where everybody lives in an underground um, silo base. 
you're not quite sure how big it is in the first episode, but it just has some of the most incredible world building. The people inside seem to think the outside world is toxic, but nobody knows for sure because the only way that they know are these video feeds that may be altered. Hmm. And so the one rule is that you are allowed to leave the silo, but if you do, you have to go out. You go out alone. You go out with like a protective suit, but the suit doesn't last. And so everybody who goes out seems to die, but you're also not sure if what you're seeing is the truth. And just some of such good writing, it sort of becomes a murder mystery through it. Um, cannot recommend enough. The other one is the opposite of that, which is Invasion on Apple TV, which is terrible, has a complete lack of empathy for its characters and its oh, audience. No. And I cannot stop watching it because it has the best Reddit community that is also equally just like baffled by the show. And so people just gather and talk about like, what is happening? There's mysteries. It's, it just finished its second season. None of the mysteries of the show have been answered. Literally like none of them. And it's <laughs> one of those like mystery box shows where it sets up a bunch of mysteries all through the show. Mm -hmm. Um. And so like, it's now become my show for getting work done because I am a chronic mm. procrastinator. Mm. And so when I'm watching episodes, I literally am like, I cannot take this. What what else do you have brain? And I just get my work done. Um, only stopping to occasionally make lewd hand gestures at the screen when something particularly nonsensical happens. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Yeah, if you need a hate watch, cannot recommend Invasion enough. Interesting. <laughs> I feel like I can't keep going with like shows like that. My wife what? tapped out. She she's first episode of season two. She's like, no, it's not. It's getting worse. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> You're like, and I hope it gets even worse. It does. <laughs> Are you someone who likes like reality TV, like bad reality TV stuff like that? Not really. Um, but I've also worked on reality TV. So some mm. of that's a uh, set PTSD. Oh, gotcha. no. <laughs> You're like I've lived this I can't watch it for entertainment <laughs> to reality tv it's oh, just God. a lot of yelling oh well I can go quick I've mostly just been re-watching Hill House and being very sad um but I did watch a couple more Halloween things um one of which was Twitches which is just amazing peak of cinema no notes there absolutely love it and another Wait, does Twitches stand for teenage witches it stands for twin witches, Ted. Oh, okay. <laughs> also pretty good. Also pretty good. <laughs> you have you not seen it then? I'm assuming. I, I have not seen Twitches. You you gotta give it. Well, you probably will absolutely not like it, but it's it's a Disney Channel original. It could movie. help you get work done. <laughs> yeah, actually, it is it is terrible. You'll you'll get through a lot of work. Throw that on. There's also a sequel. There's Twitches too. <laughs> um, but it's about uh twin witches. Um, Tia and Tamara Mallory from like Sister Sister. <gasps> so do you, do Wait, you watch? Do they Sister play the witches? Yes, they play. The oh my god! Witches. I love that show. Okay, I'm... then absolutely. Okay, watch I might this be on board chat. with this. Oh my I god, you gotta watch this. this. It's on. Well, it's on um Disney Plus. So it's a Halloween, and they don't know they're like separated at birth. Don't know that they're twins. Find each other on their like twenty first birthday or something. Mm -hmm. Um, their birthdays are like on Halloween, so you gotta watch it. And then I watched Casper. Um, I finally watched Hocus Pocus 2, which I loved. I don't know. I thought it was a great sequel. Um, it was it was just like so cute and so like true to the original, um, like the original characters, the Sanderson sisters, but like added just a couple of fun new twists. Um, and I really liked it. Um, I'm not usually like a big like sequel after 20 years kind of person, but this one I thought was just adorable. Um, and then I'm also watching the all spooky stuff. I'm also watching just started the um 
the exorcist series with my roommate we just started that uh yesterday and i think we're on like the third episode or something um which is really good i will say something that i've noticed from watching the exorcist series and then watching hill house i like i said at the top i'm not the biggest like horror movie person but i am a horror series person i love the horror format like stretched out over like the bulk that a series gives you versus the movie because they can just go so in depth and so far like the exorcist is just so good and i like it so much more than like the original when was that like 80s 70s film um i like it so much more they can just explore so many more things when they have the time of uh the length that a series provides but yeah that's it mario what have you been watching um i watched no hard feelings was that your first watch lawrence the first watch of no hard feelings Mm -hmm. yes do you like it yeah you said it like oh honey was that your first (laughs) well i saw it in theaters and it it just came out on netflix right (laughs) well i mean i was a jennifer lawrence stan i went into the theaters to see her Um, but yeah, that was good. Um, I'm late to the game, but <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, I um, haven't seen it yet. Okay. Oh boy, haven't seen Twitches. <laughs> haven't seen No Hard Feelings. But yeah, it's like a about Jennifer Lawrence, like having to date a teenage boy, which feels <laughs> questionable when you say it out loud. But they like acknowledge that it's questionable. Um, Does that make it better? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was, what do you think, Brooke? You're the, you're the expert. I'm I'm the resident no hard feelings uh, expert in the building. Um, Oh, I think it's totally fine. It's like a cute little, little movie. I think he's like 19 or something. And it's like these overbearing parents. Matthew Broderick is one of the parents and they're like, um, our kid is like such a fucking loser (laughs) like he hasn't been laid we need to like essentially hire a prostitute but not really hire a prostitute and that's when jennifer lawrence gets the gig she's like 27 or something 28 29 um i think it's like obviously inappropriate but that's 32 oh 32 okay yeah i mean it's definitely inappropriate but that's (laughs) where where the comedy lies you would never never do this in real life (laughs) um but yeah, I really liked that film. I thought it was so good. And I th- I love Jennifer Lawrence as like a comedic actress in her comedy roles. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I-, I liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, And then I watched completely different. I watched Born Free, that old movie where they keep a lion um, as a pet. So right up Brooks Alley. Oh, yeah. I was like, I've never heard of this. I like stuff where it's like um a true story that you get to look up later on um because mm-hmm. all of like the the people who um catch the lion it like ends in like a happy happily ever after um but they were actually brutally murdered like years <laughs> after wait is this the viral video where the guy goes and sees the lion in the wild and it like comes and yeah. hugs him i think it was like so it was like um these people i don't remember when it was but they like the husband shot their mother lion and then they just adopted the cubs and then they didn't want to give him to like a zoo or anything so they just like raised this cub 
mm-hmm. um, into a full lion. And then they were like, you can't bring the lion back to England with you because they were British. And um, and so then they had to like train the lion how to like mate and like hunt and do all this stuff. But um, it ends like with a happily ever after. But apparently the lady was so evil and such a, so evil to her employees that the employee later shot her. Um, and that is like her story and she's buried with the lion and not like with her husband or anything like that. So super interesting. See, that's what I want my true story documentary to be. I want to live her life murdered um, by the employees and all. <laughs> um, and then I watched the fall of the house of Usher. So the new mm. Mike Flanagan, um, which is not my favorite, but. I definitely feel like it's up there. He like is so into cats, people like suffocating behind brick walls and drug use. I don't know. I don't know why that's his thing, but that's what he includes in like every single thing. Cause I've seen um, part of Midnight Mass. I could not get into that one and The Haunting of Bly Manor. And it's a lot of like the same stuff. I don't know. He's really into brick walls. Like <laughs> well, I will say bricking yourself up behind a wall, big introvert energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I, I kind of understand it sometimes. Right? Do you right? think do you think he went to like one therapy appointment where his therapist was like, listen, man, I don't know. I just feel like you're not really in touch with your emotions. I feel like you're like putting yourself behind a brick wall <laughs> to protect yourself <laughs> and he was like yeah I am and so is every Hold other that character. Thought, gotta go tight <laughs> yeah I was like I'm gonna jot that down <laughs> it was like the first therapy appointment where the the patient took notes <laughs> um, <laughs> I watched one episode of fall of the house of usher and I I did not continue it yeah I mean it's like it's a similar thing where it's like family oriented mm. but the whole entire family sucks yeah it's like <laughs> it's like it's a family of Steve's but worse. I was gonna <laughs> ask if that was what it was <laughs> they're all like evil and like rich I mean I will say like good on Mike Flanagan for like not putting a bunch of billionaires on an island and killing them off which is what everyone else is doing <laughs> um but it's very like similar to that kind of vein Mm. all right well where can they find all of us (laughs) if they want to contact us they can find me at b underscore reese cup on instagram letterbox we don't know we haven't figured out my username yet (laughs) and my twitter is still private (laughs) <laughs> and you're not allowed to see all my hilarious jokes <laughs> unless you know me <laughs> maria where can they find you and where can they find the pod they can find me behind a brick wall um, <laughs> they can find me at maria Schwarz on all accounts including letterbox because we figured that out and they can find the pod at remake hot take including on letterbox it's just brooke that is a mystery what about you, Ted? Where can they find you and your work? Uh, you can find me in a few different places. So if you want to follow just me on Instagram, I am at hashtag cats, hashtag underscore cats. Um, for professional stuff, I am at orange line sound design. For not so professional stuff, I am at <laughs> laughing with the storm. Uh, we also have laughingwiththestorm.net for a bunch of very weird stories. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a sci-fi event, but we are open to everything. Um, and then I also have a Tumblr for laughing with the storm and it would be lovely to get some non-sex bots to follow that. 
Because <laughs> it's been a lot of sex bots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need to relook at my Tumblr. It's definitely still active. I heard that it was still a pretty active community. And so I've been posting there, but uh, it's been a very particular kind of activity. Mm. Brooke has a lot of sex bots I on do TikTok. Too, yeah. <laughs> I'll send them over to your Tumblr. <laughs> I like to think that at least some of the sex bots do read the stories and that this is like taking a break, but honestly, I'm. Probably... Yeah. I, I like to think that I've fostered a community of sex bots that care. <laughs> <laughs> sex bots they... and cinephiles. <laughs> they, they really love my content. Yeah. I only have like on my personal TikTok, I've only posted like one video and it's of my, my two pet rabbits. And like, it's just sex bot after sex bot liking it. Like bunnies. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I didn't even put anything in the caption. I'm like, I don't know how they're finding this, but it is popular amongst the community. They probably. They <laughs> have layers, Brooke. It's not just sex bot. <laughs> yeah. There are real people <laughs> behind those bots. But yeah, I don't know if I would wall myself up behind a brick wall. I think I would do like. I don't know, maybe like just like a plastic, <laughs> like plastic kind of prison wall scenario where there's like a little telephone. So you can like still talk to me if I want to talk to you. But if I don't, then I just put the telephone down and you can't, you can't do anything. And I have a little curtain. So I'm not as walled up emotionally. I think I'm more... you're just the wizard from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just like a Catholic priest in a confession booth. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a one-sided emotional spilling. Um, but yeah, well, Ted, it's been great to have you on. I'm so happy that you wanted to to chat about Hill House with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Be careful about real estate <laughs> is the moral of this story. You know, we're never going to run into this issue. At least Mari and I won't. Um, because we will never afford a house. <laughs> we it would suck to be renting and like yeah. renting Hill House, and you can't even like change anything in the red room, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like the red room is landlord controlled. <laughs> that should have been a remake. It's you're renting and like you're like, hey, just so you know, like um black mold is poisonous and like as the the leasing agent you do have a duty <laughs> um to send in a team and then they're like okay well you can go in the red room but you cannot change it <laughs> unless you, you see, call like, office the, the light switches all painted over and all of that good stuff the landlord <laughs> special hill house gets the landlord special like the dead bodies are just covered over with a layer <laughs> of paint <laughs> I feel like if I was renting Hill House, there would be words with the ghost. It's like, you can haunt here, but you're going to pay rent. <laughs> yeah, the landlord. Go dig up your Prohibition era doubloons <laughs> from the basement and get to work. The landlord is collecting like dozens of rent. He is making top dollar on Hill House. It's perfect. And he's actually the one that wants him to stay because he just keeps asking the ghosts to collect. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>